All right. Welcome in to a Monday edition of the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN Radio. 1220 AM, 935 FM, and online at Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer Jess Bolin inviting you to join us here in the huddle. Here's our EBOMD huddle hotline number 573-334-1220. 573-334-1220. The huddle hotline is powered by EBO. MD, the Monday Marty party a little bit later on in the show. Marty Michel will join the huddle on the EBOMD huddle hotline. Jess Bolin in the house. How was your weekend? Not bad. Uh, last weekend it came in and my teams went 0 for 6, so I was kind of depressed. But this week was a little better. Kansas City won. Uh, Buffalo won last night over Dallas. Oh, boy, that made me sick. But... Uh, a lot of good football games on, and enjoy the weekend. Come I'll, in, all I'm coming in all fired up. The sun's shining brightly, so I don't get to sing. Yeah, I guess I could sing, but we haven't had rain lately, so <clears throat> I can see clearly. Though I don't think anybody knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> but you no. <laughs> so. The big news for me, not that the Dallas Cowboys <clears throat> clinched the playoff spot, but they got absolutely boat raced Boy, they did. in Buffalo. And once again, the Dallas Cowboys on the road are not very good. That's why it would behoove them to win their division, which I doubt very seriously if they do that now. Since they're, you know, more and more lost than Eagles, I think, aren't they? So, that was their fourth loss, if I'm correct. And Eagles got three. I, I guess they won yesterday. I didn't hear the Eagles score. They played tonight. Oh, okay, good. That's why I didn't hear it. But anyway, Dallas looked like they were playing on a different level than Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo just, like you said, dominated them. They ran against them. Josh Allen had a great night. He could do about what he wanted to. Um, I mean, that doesn't, de- you know, delete Dallas's team. They still got a good ball club. But you didn't expect them to get, as you said, steamrolled. Had I told you before the game this was going to be Josh Allen's stat line at home against the Dallas Cowboys, 7 for 15, he threw for only 94 yards and a touchdown. Would you say Buffalo won or lost the game? I'd say they lose, but he has still had a good game. He got some completions that were really big, and he did some running that got him some first downs. He's, he's a good quarterback. I don't care what the stats said last night. I like watching him play. He's a big guy. I mean, he's the kind of guy that can get a quarterback sneak on the one-yard line and do it because of his size and strength. I'd take him on a new team I was building any day. Would you? I still think that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. Oh, I but I would too. say the three quarterbacks that are playing the best this year are Brock Purdy, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. I was hoping you'd say Lamar Jackson because he's having a good season and their defense is so good. Um, it's going to be interesting in the playoffs. I think, especially if Mahomes would pick up and you know, and his receivers start holding on the ball. Rice had a pretty good day yesterday. He caught some key passes, and you never know how good that guy's going to be. Right now, he's pretty good, but. He could become really good. He's got the speed and everything. You know, if I was Kansas City coach, offensive coach even, I had a meeting before this game yesterday or after the game we lost last week. I would look everybody straight in the eye and say, catch the ball. Because you're not in high school. The Chiefs have dropped balls more than any team in the NFL. 
and balls that are hitting them right in the hands. So there goes my home stats a little bit. Wouldn't you agree? A quarterback can only do what he can. I mean, he throws a ball and hits you right in the chest with it, and you drop it. Oh, it's an incompleted pass. So everybody thinks, you know, he had bad stats. It's got to be on the other end, too. And the Chiefs did catch the ball better. But you, if you want to win and you want to go anywhere, do your job. These guys come out of elite colleges, universities, and they earn the right to play in the NFL. Well, show me why you earn that right. Make these catches. when it, I don't expect the guy to make a one-handed catch all the time like we saw last night. One-handed catch in the rain. Uh, that was a great catch for Buffalo. I don't know if you saw the game, but Kansas City, We've t- I've talked about it all season. You know, the weak spot on Kansas City is the receiving core. Even though you got Kelsey at tight end, he can't make up for guys that's on the flank. So, anyway, I don't think Kansas City will win the Super Bowl this year. May not even have chance. They may be eliminated early. I, but they are capable, Eric, and you got to re- agree here. They got the personnel, and especially since their defense is much better, they got the possibility of getting there. You know, they could if if they did a little more cleaning up their game, especially at wide receiver. So Patrick Mahomes' first interception yesterday was his fault. It was not a good throw. Yeah. yeah. The second interception, it hit Kadarius Tony right in the hands. Ricocheted off his hands to his helmet, up into the air, and it's intercepted by the Patriots. The same Kadarius Tony who lined up offsides and nullified what could have been the game-winning touchdown. It would have been the go-ahead touchdown against Buffalo. And then as Mahomes goes to the sideline, he is talking to himself, and he is clearly frustrated. And Fox broadcaster Daryl Moose Johnston said this agree or disagree you know you you just you're gonna he's not gonna trust him anymore he's just it's coming down to a critical situation and that's where the ball has to go because he's open but i don't trust him i'm losing trust these pictures say it all rough week for Kadarius tony second pick that mahomes has thrown today although obviously that one Pretty unfair when you're looking at the overall line and a perfect throw. So, Daryl Johnson says, I'm not going to trust him anymore. He's not going to trust him anymore. And Joe Davis said, you know, hey, been a tough week for Kadarius Tony. It's been a tough year for Kadarius Tony, And the, and no one's going to forget he scored a big touchdown in the Super Bowl to help him win the Super Bowl. But my goodness. And after the game, Andy Reid... When questioned about Tony, said they may reevaluate his playing time. What do you think about Daryl Johnson's comments? Is that you can't trust him? Well, if you heard what I just said before we played that, I think he kind of said the same thing I did, uh, although he isolated on one guy. I think Tony is uh, res- not directly responsible. I hate to blame a loss on one guy. But he, he was a big contributor to two losses by the Chiefs this year. First game, he couldn't catch anything. Maybe dropped every ball thrown to him. And they lost by one point to the Lions. And in this game, he lined, that other game, he lined up offsides, and then it resulted in a touchdown to put Chiefs four points ahead with about a minute 40 to go in the game. And then yesterday, I, I mean, I totally agree with that statement. I mean, trusting somebody means that a quarterback, if it's a pattern route, he's got to know you're going to run the correct pattern. You're going to be where you're supposed to be. A lot of times, Eric, I don't know how many people really follow the game or watch it the way you or I would. That quarterback a lot of times throws the ball to a a spot, not – you know, the receiver's going to be there. You know that. He can't just wait till the guy's open, then, especially in the NFL, and then throw a pass to him. He's got to know that, hey, you're going to be over there 10 yards from the sidelines and 
20 yards down the field. I'm going to throw the ball there. I mean, I remember sitting up high one night, uh, one day in St. Louis and watching this a long time ago. But Jim Hart was quarterback for the St. Louis Cardinals football team. And I, I, I saw him throw a pass down in the middle, and I thought, who, whoa, who's he throwing it to? And then I watched, here come the receiver. Full speed, bam, hit him right in the chest, touchdown. So it's not all, you can't blame the quarterback when a guy runs a bad route, although, you know, people don't see that. They don't see that he was five yards where he wasn't supposed to be. But as far as Tony, I totally agree with that. I mean, you can't trust the guy. And what I'm saying is, if you've got to run a route and you're supposed to be in that spot and he throws it and you're not there, that's called, That's what I'm talking about with trust. And I think that's what he was talking about. And you, in other words, in a, in a key game in the Super Bowl, let's say, or a game to get to the Super Bowl, would you go on third or fourth down to him? <laughs> and maybe game on the line? You can't. You can't. Because and most of the time a tip ball or – reception that bounces off up in the air it's always the defense against it you know it's i, I don't know what the stat is but because there's defensive coverage you know too many people back there i i just don't think i could trust him either not, not i don't even know if the playing time would be the issue he's uh you know i understand this too if they weren't so wide receiver poor yeah he wouldn't even be on he team. would be cut by now yeah he would and I know the guy's got upside because, you know, a guy like that, and I've had players for me that way. He's a first-round draft pick. He's got skills. You know, a guy can go 0 for 20, and I don't let you say, well, i got to have somebody else in that position. This happened to me and every coach. You, you'll have a guy on there that's got so much upside, you think, boy, this guy's going to just completely break away here for long. And then he gets four hits in a game. He said, well, okay, maybe he's there. And then all at once he regresses, you know, and he's not there. And that comes time where you got to make a decision. What am I seeing? Is the eyeball test telling me that somebody else could be more consistent? And I think that's where the Chiefs are with him right now. Consistency. you got to – it's just like on that team, when Mahomes fades back for a pass, who does he trust the most? Kelsey. No question about it. Kelsey. And that comes over years in the, uh, the athletic ability. But this year, he is drawing more double and triple teams Absolutely. than he ever has. A wide receiver that was effective as far as hanging on to the ball and, and, get, and getting open, running his patterns right, and fighting for the ball on you know when you're fighting for the uh, defender, could have a great year because so, they're double covering Kelsey. Um, but it ain't going to be Tony. Let's clean up the language. It's not ain't. It's not going to be Tony. How's that? I, Monday morning, I don't want to come in here and start throwing English around and getting an F grade. Yeah. So I got to upgrade my game. Bad way to get a Monday going. And so when the Chiefs scored their first touchdown of the day, old Andy Reid went, uh, he went old school. Are going to go inside with a hand off the Rice touchdown. Kansas City. Andy Reid has just brought the single wing back to the National Football League. I almost think Joe Tooney snapped that ball on a direct snap to McKinnon, who handed it off to Mahomes. So the snap goes to Jarek McKinnon. And at first glance, you thought he handed the ball off to Rice and he went in. He did a little tiny flip. So he gets a touchdown pass, and Rasheed Rice gets a touchdown reception. But the old single wing, as the Chiefs get in the red zone, chance to score a touchdown, they went way, way back to the to the leather helmet days, Jess. Yeah, and the Chiefs finally broke 20 points. <laughs> you know, they, I think it wasn't it four games in a row they didn't get 20. And so they got, got 31 yesterday? Six games, one time they scored over 20. Yeah, I mean, they I, were I, not the old. I'm not saying that they they settled their offensive problems. They didn't score a point in the fourth quarter yesterday. No, no that, you can't go by yesterday's game saying the Chiefs are back because there's still, you talk about consistency. Well, you got to get better than what they've been. 
Rice is a, you know, is a guy to me that I really like him. And, boy, he shows you flashes of greatness. And then he'll drop a ball or fumble, you know, and I don't know. He's got so much talent, but, you know, the trust part of him is not 100% either. And we knew pretty well going in that Patrick Mahomes got to make these guys better. You know, he's got to maybe be, be more precise with his passes and everything because his receiving core was not at the level it used to be. But they can, on a given day, be outstanding. Tony even can be outstanding on a given day. But you can't have a guy that's good one game out of four or whatever. So I just think it's going to show up in the playoffs. And how about this sudden noise about Travis Kelsey is not playing well for the Chiefs. Robert He's not the Taylor same Swift. player because he is in love, yeah. thinking about getting married, and his his personal life is dragging him down on the field. I first, don't buy into that. Watch first of all, he's all. 34 years old. He's old. For a football player. Yes. He is, Ten he's years. Taking, let's be sure, too, remember this. Over the years, he's taken a pound, and he gets some hard hits after the catch, and he's also a guy that will run over a couple guys to get that extra three yards. So it's been a tough season's uh, tough career in the National Football League. So 34 can be like a guy that plays safety or something, a cornerback. It could be like a guy with 38 out there playing. He's played in 156 games in the National Football League. He is seeing more double teams this year than he ever has. And, oh, by the way, He's got 924 receiving yards. He's going to get 1,000 for the ninth time in his career. That's a great stat. And I tell you what, they showed Taylor Swift so many times on TV. I'm really, I don't know about you, but I'm getting tired of seeing her. It's okay a couple times, but... Not every other play that Kelsey's involved. I just uh, don't you think it's a little overkill on on the way they sweep in and put her on the camera over and over in the game. I, it, I do, but it doesn't bother me. By well, the way, it doesn't bother me either. But I mean, be, I'm a little. You know, the game is the attraction. It'll be the eighth time in his career. Let me correct that. The eighth time he's going to get a thousand. If you don't think he's going to get 76 yards in their final three games. Well, he'll get that probably yes. next game. Right. But he's been a elite player for the Chiefs. He, he Talk about Tony maybe heavy contributor to two losses for sure this year. Well, how many games has Kelsey maybe been the difference in the Chiefs winning or losing in his career? It'd be a lot. But this you know. national narrative now of, you know, he oh he's in love now, so that's why no. his numbers are down. I, I mean, I think your personal life can can affect you, no question about it. Uh, it's just like your attitude when you go into surgery. They don't want you to be depressed, you know, any surgery, because it makes a difference in your recovery. And I think, if anything, his... Uh, personal life of maybe he loves her that's the, what's wrong with that she's an attractive young woman he's i don't know about handsome i don't know if i'd go there but at least he's got her to go out with and everything it should be something that helps him don't you think he, he should feel great and happy and everything else and play better because of her presence in his life if you know if they say they busted up this week yeah, I think that could affect his play because it's on, you know, on your mind too much. But right now, I don't see it be a negative. So Rasheed Rice 
Jess, that's seven touchdown receptions. That is a rookie Chiefs record for a wide receiver. That's why they like him so much, and that's why he's going to develop into a really quality wide receiver, I think, for Kansas City. So just keep that in mind with And I think he trusts him, don't you? Maybe not like Tyreek Hill, but... I think he's getting gaining a lot of trust in Rice, and he's had his down moments this year, no doubt about it. But um, he's a guy that you never question his effort. I mean, he's a fighter out there on the field. And it's a second state straight game without Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah. Um, Chiefs only rushed for forty three yards in the football game, so. Uh, They would like to get Pacheco back. And the Chiefs play on Christmas Day against the Las Vegas Raiders at Arrowhead. Noon game on Christmas Day. And the Raiders are owned by the Chiefs. Well, they have been up to now, but the Chiefs are not playing at the top of their game. So I think that could be a good ball game. Um They, uh, you talk about running backs. How about the Raiders? They they are out of the playoff race. Let's let's be real. Yeah. They at home, at home, lose to the Minnesota Vikings in one of the worst games ever played in NFL history. Three nothing. They can't score at home, and the very next game, they play the Los Angeles Chargers. Where Brandon Staley, their head coach, gets fired after the game. And, and they, score, they score 63 points in that game, the Raiders. So You know, Staley got fired at halftime. Go figure that, that out. <laughs> it's pretty bad when you can't even, can't even get off the field and finish a game. But, you know, there was a question asked. You talk about Pacheco. Uh, it makes a difference to the Chiefs for sure. If he's not in the game, because this guy is a really tough running back. He's a, I, don't, I don't know how big he is, probably a couple hundred pounds, maybe 210. But, boy, he really fights and claws for that extra yard. And they you got you miss a guy if he if he's not in the line. And it makes your passing game better if you got a good running game. You know that. And The top offensive players for the Chiefs, in order, Mahomes, Kelsey, Pacheco, and then Rice. Right. And that's what you want. You want your running back to be in the top listing. You know, they asked a deal the, uh, the other day on, I don't know what network or what radio station. It was this radio station because this station I only listen to. It's my dial to set on it, you know, when I'm driving around. And about the best running back. Multiple levels of running back, you know, a guy that can do catch the ball out of the backfield and run and elusiveness. I I want to mention Marshall Falk. <laughs> you remember how good he was? I mean, he was not he probably the smartest guy on the field when he walked. You remember they were playing down in uh, Nashville, I think, against Titans. And remember in the game, is a critical part of the game, and one of the players for the the Rams were lined up. Remember, lineman, I think it was, or, or say, uh, tied in the wrong spot. He knows everybody else's assignment, too. I think, for me, in a way, and I, I know I'm being a little homer here, but uh, for an all-purpose running back, I would have to throw Marshall Falk's name in there. Because, boy, I thought he was he was just great. He's a top ten running back of all time, and you can make an argument he could be top five or six in the history of the National Football League. Yeah, and, you know, the Rams acquired him in a trade with Indianapolis. Is that who it was? Yes. Colts. And, uh, man, I can't understand how they quit on him. He was about a six or seven time all star, all pro, and a lot to go with him. But you know, this is something in the past, so I don't think anybody wants to hear too much about it. 
But there are now some who are starting to compare Christian McCaffrey to Marshall Falk. I don't in think terms McCaffrey's... of rushing, yeah, rushing. and receiving. Yeah. I think he caught two more touchdown passes yesterday yeah. and ran for another. He's got. He's going to have to do it a few more years before I would compare him to Falk. You could make an argument he's the MVP. <clears throat> However, he doesn't play the right position because MVP awards these days only go to quarterbacks. One major difference between him and Falk, and I don't know, I think Falk might be a little faster than McCaffrey, but a big difference to me was elusiveness in past the line of scrimmage that Falk had. Now, McCaffrey has none of that, not compared to Falk. But I like McCaffrey. Believe me, I think he. I think he's the best running back in the NFL right now. I don't know how you. I'd like to know who you're throwing in there that's better. Nobody's better. No, I don't think so. He's he's everything you'd want in a running back. He catches the ball well. He's the best player on the best team. He hits the line the right spot. He he looks to me like a very intelligent player. So I I think he's he's the best there is right at this moment. Marshall Falk in his career, rushing and receiving yards, 19,154. 100 rushing touchdowns, 36 receiving touchdowns. How many? I look up his all-star, all-pro appearances. I think you'll see there, too, that he's... Seven-time pro bowler. Yeah. I mean, he's got the numbers. He was, uh, he was one of those guys that's just it's fun to watch him. I like always admire excellence in any sport, any sport. And you saw ex- excellence on the field with Marshall Falk. So with the Cowboys now, Jess, they are seven and zero at home. On the road, they are three and four. And listen to the difference between home and road splits. At home, they average 40 points per game, 40. They have a point differential at home of plus 24, scoring 40 points. On the road, they score 21 points, and they have a point differential of minus 06, point six. <laughs> yeah, but they're still right there around first place, and the reason why is... They're good at home. You and I talk about this all the time. The Red Hawks have won, what, four straight at home in basketball? Haven't they won four or three? Four. I think it's four, yeah. You've got to win your home games. You've got to be tough at home and play 500 on the road. How many times have you heard that? And before the game, the Dallas Cowboys at least were three and three on the road. And that's why they're up there at the top of the standings. Do they look anywhere like the same team? No, nothing like the same team if they're playing Dallas or they're playing, um, you know, on the road somewhere. But um, And, you know, the thing about it is if they don't win the division, they won't have a home game. As they far will as, not have a home game. You Do know, you believe uh, wild card. that the Cowboys can go win in Philly? And do you believe they can go win in Santa Clara? Can they? Of course they can. Will they? No, I don't see it happening either place. And it's you know it's a shame there's that much difference between the team. But I mean I'm not going to go the route you're going. I'm not going to say there's just impossibility that they could win on the road because they've won three times, three out of seven. And I don't know who they were against that they won. Certainly wasn't San Francisco. That was a beat down. And you remember that one? They lost. They won at the two-win Carolina Panthers. They won at the Los Angeles Chargers by a field goal. And they won at the New York Jets. Well, wouldn't anybody there is very or sorry, tough. The, the, Giants, yeah. the Giants. And they struggled against the Chargers. So yeah, they're pretty they're pretty weak on the road. They lo- they lost at Arizona. <laughs> yeah. So but look at the Chiefs also. They lost to Denver. And, uh, you know, they've, they've looked pedestrian out there on the field, too. So, I'm sure the biggest talk 
on Sports Talk Radio today when you're talking about the National Football League is the Cowboys. And secondly, they're not in the playoffs yet, and Buffalo probably has to win out. But is there a more dangerous team or a team that nobody wants to see in the postseason than the Buffalo Bills? <laughs> not me. I mean, their defense is good, and their offense is capable. I mean, anytime their offense is on the field with Josh Allen, they could put 30 on you. They're that good. Dallas has got a good defense, and they've made Dallas look ordinary on defense. And a lot of times a good offense can prevail. A lot of times good defense. I'd rather really, if it's me, I'd rather have the really great defense. Because what happens with great defense is they get the other team off the field. You know, or they get off the field and put your team on it, your offense. And the more opportunities a guy's got on offense, the more times he gets the ball, there's more likelihood of scoring. And so give me the great defense. Remember the Bears of 85, wasn't it? Yep, 85 Bears. Remember their defense? <laughs> you needed to track your trailer to get through their defense. Um that might have been the 85 Bears. And I know there's other teams that won more Super Bowls and all this, but that 85 Bear team, I would match them up against any team in history, wouldn't you? As far as possibility of winning the game. I, you could I, go 85 Bears, you go 2,000 Baltimore Ravens with Ray Lewis and company. Uh, you start there, you can talk about some of the Steel Curtain Years Absolutely. They're for all the great. Pittsburgh Steelers. They're all great. But uh, the Bears would match up with anybody. They're the 85 Bears. To me, they would. Now, so, you you disagree with that statement? No. I was a Bears fan in 85. Well, that doesn't make them great because you're a fan. But The numbers. The numbers do. Yeah. So, believe it or not, the 49ers clinched the NFC West yesterday, 11-3. They were outgained the Arizona Cardinals yesterday. That would surprise some people. 436 to 406. But it was another superb day for Brock Purdy. He threw four touchdown passes, two of them to Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey also ran for a score. And Debo Samuel had two touchdowns well, that's a weak receiving. Division. No, NFC West. You got the Cardinals in there. You got the Chargers in there, the Rams. All those teams are weak. Not to take anything away from San Francisco, because they've stomped some good teams, and they are they're really good, but it, their division is not. Rams are still alive for a playoff berth, and you still and the you, Seahawks have not been eliminated either. You play divisional rivals twice a year, don't you? So there's six games you got in your division that's very weak. And there's... Am I missing somebody, though? I've, I've mentioned four teams. Chargers are in the AFC West. Yeah, I was just going yeah. by where the they're Seahawks. at. The Seahawks. The Seahawks. And the Rams. Rams. Cardinals, 49ers. Yeah. yeah, okay. There's four teams in the division. I got one of them wrong. And you're going to hear, and what you should not hear at all on national radio or television, is talk about the Jets. They get shut out at Miami 30 to nothing. They have nine losses. Zach Wilson is terrible, but guaranteed Greeny's going to be talking about the Jets. They, they are not, they, they're not a factor. No. They're not even a playoff team. Neither are the New York Giants. But Wouldn't, wouldn't that be tough to be? Talk about teams that are relevant. Somebody sends you a season ticket application? After this season for the Jets? Well, for next year, if Aaron Rodgers is coming back. <laughs> yeah, we got we got great potential next year. And they do have a decent defense most of the time. But, man, oh, man, watch that team and pull for them like getting your gums scraped. I mean, it'd be miserable. Of course, I, I know all about miserable. I watched the football Cardinals in St. Louis for years, and they were just most of the time simply awful until Don Carell 
came along in the mid-70s. They weren't worse than the St. Louis Rams. Five-year stretch where they went 15-65, and 65, the worst five-year oh, stretch yeah. in NFL history. So we've had misery in St. Louis, yes. the NFL, no question about it. And yeah, just like we had misery at St. Louis baseball this past summer. Yeah, 91 exactly. losses, yeah. And in mid-70s, though, the Rams were good. Three years in a row, they were good. They won the division twice, and but never won a home playoff game ever. And I don't know if they, you know, in that in that stretch, I don't know if they won any playoff games. So I know about miserable, and New York Jets are below miserable. Got to be miserable to be an Atlanta Falcons fan. You go to the one win Panthers; they're one and twelve, and you lose nine to seven. That that's the uh, only thing worse than that is is Detroit Pistons beating you. <laughs> yeah, well, they've lost twenty two in a row. Twenty three in a row. Twenty three. Oh gosh. <laughs> All right, you want to see what Marty has to say? Oh, about love it? to hear Marty. All right, we will rev up the Monday Marty party. Marty Michau joins us on the other side. It's the sports huddle on Simo ESPN. It's the Sports Tunnel on SEMO ESPN, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online at It's Monday. That means it is time for the Monday Marty Party. We head to the EBOMD Huddle Hotline, and we welcome in the Love Shack, Marty Michel. Marty, you got your Christmas shopping done? Uh, most of it, not, not not all of it, but I like that Christmas music though. It beats that love love Jack song you've been playing every uh, <laughs> every week. Don't you like that better, Jeff? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> hey, I like it better than my own singing too. <laughs> uh, you don't sing bad. I got a hand it oh, to you. Oh, come as on. You, as far as you know, you don't sing bad. <laughs> no. Uh, that, hey, I don't have any money to give you. I know my singing is awful, <laughs> and I do it to make people mad. So they'll watch the show or listen to the show. <laughs> I'd like that you threw in a little NBA talk right before I came on, though. You don't talk NBA too much this time of the year. I'm surprised you didn't talk a couple weeks ago about that NBA in-season tournament they had this year. Yeah, the Lakers actually hung a freaking <laughs> banner, a banner uh, in their arena for winning the in-season tournament, Marty. <laughs> well, I heard some people talking about that. They they think that the NBA kind of encouraged them to do that because, and and, and you got to give NBA credit. You know, early in the year when football's going on, so much going on, they say this really increased the interest uh, in the public for the NBA to, to start this. You know, soccer does this for years and years. Those big soccer leagues, they have an in-season kind of thing that's almost as important. So the NBA just kind of wanted to increase the interest. They know this time of the year, there's so much college football and NFL. College, there's not that much interest for NBA. So but anyway, they, people theorize that the NBA office kind of encouraged the Lakers to do this because this is going to be a yearly deal, not just a one a one off. But yeah, I, I didn't get into it that much. Although the games were good, I mean, you know, but who cares about an in season tournament? All right, Marty, uh, the SEMO men's basketball team has one game left before they break for the Christmas holiday. They'll go to Illinois State on Thursday night. That's a 7 o'clock tip-off. Uh, they have uh, run through their non-Division ones, three of the four that they play, and they rolled by Lindsey Wilson College yesterday. Red Hawks shot the ball well, and they did not turn the basketball over. There's some... Certainly some positives for Brad Korn to take out of yesterday's game. Yeah, it carried over from the Fort Wayne game. We talked last week that Fort Wayne game, and I think Coach Korn, as he mentioned, overall game, that, that was, I think, by far the best game Simo's played against a good team. And, you know, you, you know you're not going to get much competition from a, you know, a, a, a powerhouse Division two or any. I would give you a, a, a good game and maybe even beat you. I know that mid-'80s, when I started in Missouri, when SEMO was D2, now D2's changed a lot. Back then, you could get so many 
Division One players that just didn't academically qualify. Simo had two that that could have played in the what we recruited by the SEC. Ronnie Rankin and Riley Ellis. I'd bet money that Simo team would probably beat this year's Simo team. My point is though, you're not when you're not playing a very high level NEI kind of team. You know you're not going to lose the game, so you just want to work on things and keep getting better. And I think Simo accomplished that yesterday and kind of a carryover from the Fort Wayne game and Illinois State, if they could have another good game and uh, carry that over into the conference, they should be ready to roll for conference play. And, uh, you know, you're concerned, Jess, uh, with uh, T.J. Beal. We are told he had about a three-inch gash on his forehead when he took that elbow uh, on, uh, you know, a drive by Brown, the – big man for Lindsey Wilson and he had to go directly to the hospital to get stitches and he was a little woozy when he was walking off the floor so uh, not only are you worried about the stitches Jess but I'm sure he's probably in concussion protocol yeah I brought that up yesterday on the broadcast that there could be multiple things wrong when you get a shot to the head like that and uh, uh, you know I was uh, back there I just wrote his name here on my sheet to bring that up and i'm glad you did it was a, a a bad injury you don't like to see anything like that on any sport you know where you know a guy is hurt and um he, he was lucky to walk off the court i mean he was a three inch gash i can't imagine that can you marty and a shot to the forehead of three inches is a long gash and um I, I don't have a report on him. Do you, Eric, about how he's doing? No. And we'll try to have that for tomorrow, for, for sure. But um, it was you you wasn't at the game, was you, Marty, when that happened? No, I saw it, though. Uh, I was watching the NFL on one TV and SEMA uh, on the other TV. So I saw it. That was, and watching the replay, three-inch gas is a long the, the key is, though, how deep it is. You know, long probably doesn't mean a whole lot. Right. Long's not super deep, but the way that blood was coming down, it was probably a pretty deep gash, too. And uh, hopefully he'll be at worst be back for uh, – still have uh, close to a couple weeks for uh, conference play starting. So hopefully he's back for conference play. That'd be big because he was really starting to play good. And Steve uh, has got several guys that are, you know, really – it's good to see Branson come back, you know, kind of get his get a little rust off, get more rust off Thursday because even, you know, in and, and, and certain games he might score big for you, but he might not be a huge scorer overall. But, man, he, he had so much of the team with his toughness and his energy, and I think he's just one of the leaders of the team, man. He's one of these guys who really I think uh, his, his teammates just love, so it's good to see him get back. Yeah, he played 14 and a half minutes in that game, and I thought that was just perfect. You know, he played six minutes, first half, eight minutes, second half. So uh, you don't want to put a guy in there and, until he gets tired. And I think Coach Karn did it just exactly right. And he he looked a little rusty, you know, especially on, you know, you, you, passing and stuff like this. But that's what you expect. He picked up three fouls right quick. And that's what you expect. But he's an aggressive player, and I agree with you, Marty. He's a integral part of this basketball team, and he's one of those blue-collar guys that at the end of the game he may not have but six or eight points and maybe five or six rebounds, but he's got an effect on the game. And that's, I think well, they missed last that. Year, you know, and on this year's team, as he gets more time, he might end up being one of their leading scorers. But even last year – he showed in certain games he could go off for, you know, 18, 20 points because he's got a good all-around game. He can shoot the three and he can, you know, depends who's guarding him. You know, he's so strong for basically a guard, so he can play pretty well all over the court. Yeah, and his defense. He plays defense with an attitude. I like that. And uh, yesterday he kind of shoved the guy, got a tee, got teed up, you know. Uh, I like that, though. I wanted my players all the time to be aggressive and be, you know, get that first punch in and not that you go out there and look to hit somebody i'm not saying that but aggressive athlete that's got some talent <laughs> fun to watch them why are you promoting violence i don't know i, I grew up in violence so uh, i guess it just always going to be with me 
Hey, Marty, how big would it be if SEMO could go on the road here on Thursday night and beat Illinois State? They're 7-4. and four. They uh, are 2-0 and oh in the Valley, undefeated so far. They have won four of five, including a win over Murray State. Yeah, and they're, they're not supposed to be one of the better teams in the Valley. They probably, at the end of the year, probably won't be one of the upper teams, but I don't care who you play in the Missouri Valley Conference. Usually OVC teams now, especially with the configuration of the OVC, they usually don't do too good against the Missouri Valley. So it'd be a huge win going in there. And even if you don't win, I think if you keep playing good, I think you feel good about yourself going to the conference. The main thing is you don't want to have a kind of a back uh, uh, backward trend where you were playing early in the year where your offense was just so bad and uh, – be nice if they could pick their defense up a little too you know, against a, a legit D1 team, you know, because that's really been their – even last year that was their Achilles heel, but they were over, over to, able to overcome it with so much good offense. But now the offense is clicking. Hopefully you can have another good offensive game and really carry that in the conference because it's just about ready to start. And Illinois State is 5-1 and one at home, so they've been really good – in their building, and again, there are 12 teams that play basketball in the Valley. Only four of them are undefeated. Drake and Indiana State, who I think most people believe are the two best teams. Belmont's 2-0, and and Illinois State is 2-0. and And, oh, by the way, uh, Marty, Evansville is 8-2, and man. They're, they're continuing to play well. I, mean, I like always following Eric probably does, too, and Jess, too. Team Simo's play, kind of see how they end up, their season ends up going uh, – Missouri Valley had that. That's as all, as all conferences. I don't care top conference. There's a couple teams at the bottom of Missouri Valley. Like Valparaiso is pretty weak. Evansville is thought to be really weak. They don't look weak. We'll see how they do. It'd be interesting to see how they do the rest of the season. But uh, and Illinois State was kicked toward the bottom. But man, you go to that top six or seven teams. Uh, even SIU got gutted by the transfer portal. I mean, their their two best players are starting now for nationally ranked Big Ten teams, SIU's actually played pretty good ball other than get, just hammered by uh, Indiana State. But Indiana State's looked really good. And believe it or not, their best player, one of the top four or five players in the Valley, is a kid from southern Indiana who kind of helped deplete their roster this year by leaving. And, Jess, uh, speaking of the Missouri Valley Conference, Murray State is 3-7. and seven. They've lost four in a row. That's that's a shame. That really is. That's too bad. And, you know, Murray didn't have a real good year last year. And the only reason they even left for them and Belmont left for the Missouri Valley was for men's basketball. That was the only reason. So their men's basketball struggled for a long time because you knew their football was going to just get hammered in that conference. Yes. And, 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 and that's turned out to be true. Now, we'll see if they can ever build that up. It's doubtful. Women's basketball's been pretty good the last couple of years. They were good toward the end of the OVC run. They've stayed pretty good. But really, the only reason you make that move at that level is for men's basketball. And when when uh, when when Missouri when when Murray State's coach went to LSU after his last year in the OVC and took his best players with him, they haven't been able to replenish that roster. So. And it's not going to be as easy as it was in the OVC to just kind of re- reload from year to year. You better have some pretty for that level elite talent in the NBC or you're going to get stuck. So be interesting to see how long it takes Murray to kind of dig out of that mess. Like you say, I don't think any female fans are feeling sorry for him. No. Uh, <laughs> Marty, you mentioned football. Uh, South Dakota State just absolutely obliterated Albany 59 nothing in the FCS National Semifinals and then in an unbelievable <laughs> finish Montana at home beats North Dakota State on a late two-point conversion in double overtime so the Grizz escape and the guy for Montana who returned the kick and the punt return for a touchdown the previous week against Furman they ran some kind of a wide receiver pass, and he threw an interception in the end zone for a game-tying two-point conversion. Uh, and Or, I'm sorry, yeah, 
no, uh, North Dakota State. I, I'm, I'm, I'm messing it up, Marty. Montana <laughs> won it in double overtime, thirty-one twenty-nine. So the Grizzlies will play for the national championship. Boy, yeah, tough kid to do that. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable Marty. game. Yeah, I couldn't get it. To see that game, man. That ran a packed house, and uh, I think they had like twenty-five, twenty-six thousand, which. For FCS, that's like an unbelievable crowd. I mean, and uh, tremendous game. And unfortunately, I I could be wrong. I looked for a blowout in the in the final at South Dakota State, man. They and they they played. It wasn't like it was some scrub team they played against uh, Albany, who's going to Idaho and won. They they won that game fifty nine to nothing, Jess, in a national semifinal. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, they're they're just a juggernaut, man. I, I bet that oh, I bet that line, even though it's on a neutral field, I bet South Dakota State will be favored by fourteen, fifteen points. Why do those teams out in that part of the country, Marty, Montana, the Dakotas, North Dakota, North Dakota State, South Dakota, South Dakota State, why are they so freaking good in, in FCS because it's football? Cold. It's cold there. Ain't nothing to do but play football and throw snowballs. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's true, Jeff, but a lot of it is, first of all, you go in those states, and they're the, they're the biggest thing in the whole state. There, there's no pro teams of any kind, maybe an indoor arena league or something, you know. First of all, those schools are the big things in their state, and then they put all that money into it. Now, South Dakota State's interesting. North Dakota State's been that powerhouse for years and years. Montana also, although this is the first time in the finals since like 2009, South Dakota State is more of a recent, you know, uh, they just, I think, just funded. And, you know, uh, I know Coach Duke, he's talked about it, and we've talked about it on the show. I mean, you know, if, if you want to compete with the upper-level teams, you got to, you know, pay for it. I mean, you also have to have a lot of other factors. You know, you got to have really good coaching. But – it costs money to compete, and I think South Dakota State did it to try to keep up with or, or, or catch up to their big rival like North Dakota State and in, the, in that region. And now they've kind of surpassed, you know, North Dakota State even. But I think partly it's the big thing. And, and you know, the thing is, it's not like you can get all your players from those states because those aren't exactly huge, huge football states. So you got to go other places. But I think it's, you know – you, you pump money, you got facilities. Look at all the top top stadiums in the country. Most of them are at those stadiums. Eric, Eric you were at uh, Montana last year. What a palace that is for FCS. No, and, they, they, and then you have atmosphere. such good fan support because you're winning. So it all goes hand in hand. But uh, and, and a lot of it, too, is why they're so dominant. So many of the previous great FCS programs are now FBS. Not, so there's no doubt those, those handful of top FCS could go right now, now into some of those lower FBS leagues and probably be really good, but I think they just want to keep dominating at their level. Yeah, I, I've heard you know from more than a few people asking, why doesn't North Dakota State jump up? Well, I don't think they want to jump up. First of all, it costs so much money to jump up. I mean, it's not like you can just snap your finger and automatically come up with another, like, however much $50 million you might need to fund it the right way to jump up, you know. Now, a lot of FCS have jumped up and done it well, and they could probably do it well, but I think they're just content to kind of dominate that, that level, which, you know, can't really blame them. All right, Marty. The uh, Kansas City Chiefs, a winner Kadarius Tony stinks it up again. Uh, your thoughts on uh, what you saw out of the Chiefs yesterday who uh, did not score any points in the fourth quarter at New England? Yeah, part of that, you know, they had such a big lead. They were running the pocket. I thought the Chiefs looked pretty good. Defense continues to play really good, although the Patriots' offense is pretty bad. Uh, it's tough to shut I, down Bailey Zappi. It's tough to shut Zappi down. <laughs> I think the Chiefs look pretty good. I I'm, I agree with what Jeff said earlier. You'd be surprised if they won the Super Bowl this year, but I would never count them out, uh, man. You can't count out because they could get hot at any time. Uh, 
Well, and any time you've got Kelsey and, and Mahomes, you can win a tight game. You know, they may not be playing at their best, but they can still win a close game. As long as you've got those two guys healthy. No doubt. And uh, you knew going into the season, probably be hard to win. Who, whoever repeats, man, it's been so long. It's just hard. There's so much competition. I mean, you know you're going to have some games have to go your way. You know, now if the Chiefs could have maybe won a couple of those games that they lost, you know, and had the home field, you'd feel a lot better. But I, I wouldn't count the Chiefs out. But, no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think they're the favorite right now. No, not even close. SEMO women's basketball in action tomorrow, Marty. Uh, they will host Eastern Kentucky. They're going to play four straight home games. How about that? The women have really, man. They only play two home games. And uh, you talk about playing a, some tough teams, man. They play three power conference teams and a bunch of Missouri Valley. They've, uh, they've had some tough. And East Kentucky's got a good team. But I think SEMO women have a good team. Their record definitely doesn't reflect. I think they'll do well in the OVC. And, uh, you know, it's this time of the year, you never know what teams are playing, what kind of schedules, you know. You can't go by non-conference records at all. I mean, I think Little Rock right now, I think is 0-9, who won the regular season last year. But they've played like five SEC teams, I think at four or five, and a Big 12 team, Missouri Valley team. They always play such a tough schedule, so I think Seymour's women will be, it'll be fine. I know they're, they're glad to be at home. One thing I want to say about college basketball, I don't know if Eric caught this, you know, the NCAA, because of some court stuff, they for the rest of the year waived this multi-transfer rule where you have to get a waiver to play. Right. So Philip Russell played his first game the other day for Texas Arlington. I think on Saturday he scored 28 points, so uh, – I don't know how much it'll it'll impact the OVC, but there's a lot of players who were sitting out because their waiver was denied because it was a more than a one-time transfer, and they're playing right now, so it's going to affect a lot of teams. I, I know it'll affect one OVC school. Little Rock had a 6'10 guy from Arkansas who averaged a double-double in Arkansas, had his waiver denied. I would be bet he'll be playing the rest of the year now. So that could really affect the OVC. I don't know if any other teams had guys that couldn't play because of a waiver deny, but it, it's been waived the rest of the year. So uh, there's going to be some guys popping up and women too popping up playing that maybe didn't expect to play the rest of the year. Glad for Philip Russell, he could finally start playing because you hate to see anybody have to sit. Although you also do hate every year for somebody just – and people seem to think that the NCAA is just going to – say, we'll just cut everything out with these waivers and let people transfer at their will every year. I don't agree with that. Can you imagine what that would do to college sports? Unbelievable. If every year you could just leave a team and be eligible right away. What else, Marty? I think we covered it. All right, uh, the women play tomorrow night at 6.30 against Eastern Kentucky, first of a four-game set. Go ahead. That should, that should, that should be a good game, man. Uh, ready for the OVC, man. A couple, less than two weeks, they'll be here. That's always an exciting time. On the 29th, Southern Indiana will come to the Show Me Center for a conference doubleheader. Marty, we'll talk next week. All right, see you guys. All right, that is uh, Marty Michau. Uh, we'll get him on later in the week next week because of the uh, Christmas holiday and the Chris, Southeast Missourian Christmas basketball tournament all right jess hello to the radiant and ravishing uh, dawn sean she's doing a little last minute christmas shopping this morning hope she has a wonderful day today you got a uh, got a final nugget for us uh yeah i want to say hi to my girls too down in texas and columbia and my boys running around here somewhere locally um this little Philosophy here is probably no good, but I'm going to read it anyway. There is nothing that creates great memories like laughter with special people. That was written by Jess Bolin. Fantastic Bolinism. That's all I got. Hey, you could use this day out there, folks, to be kind to somebody. Somebody might really need it. 
And this is a good time of the year, but sad time of the year, too. If, if you in a spot where you can't get Christmas presents for your kids and stuff, you know. So if you get a chance to donate something somewhere, it'll make you feel better about yourself. Help somebody. Smile at somebody. If you don't have any money to give anybody or anything, you can give them your kindness. It doesn't cost you a nickel. And another thing, too, Eric, is pretty important. If you have to go to a grocery store or a quick shop or gas station to get a present for Christmas, you're a little late. <laughs> I've done that before. <laughs> Try to find something worthy to give at a quick stop. <laughs> Not usually a successful trip. Hey, All I'm right. rambling. Let's go. I'm out of here. We got the coaches show, wings, etc. in Cape. Aquan Smart will Ooh, be our guest. That's today, a good guest so. to have because he had the best game of any SEMO player yesterday. No doubt about it. Talk it over with Coach Corn and Aquan Smart. Jess, we'll see you tomorrow. All right. Stay tuned. Greeny is coming up.